Hello, it's just me today to talk about super imaging and a few other things. Um, Splunk has put up a report surveying CISOs with a lot of really horrible stuff, the most impressive one being that 90% of CISOs report that they were hit by ransomware last year, and 83% of them paid the ransom, and more than half of them paid over $100,000. So ransomware continues to be explosively growing, very lucrative, and there's no sign of it stopping. And uh, the ransomware expert that appeared on Paul Security Weekly a few weeks ago said, there's nothing you can do to stop it. So that's, uh, I guess that's job security for us security professionals, because we're terrible at our job and ineffective. So they just have to hire more of us, which is the way it's been for at least a decade or two. <clears throat> uh, the head of RSA, I didn't put this story in, the head of RSA said, we're all going to be replaced by machine, by AI pretty soon. And uh, I don't know, it seemed like the usual um, big, big company CEOs make statements and they're like statements that come from Washington. They're usually so vague and meaningless. You don't know what to make of them. But anyway, we'll see what comes of that. Uh, so there's an interesting article on BBC about AI created profile pictures. There is a service uh, uh, called, um, I can't, Remini. And this is, and there are other services. I've also tried on AI and AI shoot up. And what you do is you upload some selfies, some pictures of you, and it generates an AI-generated professional headshot of you, which they say looks prettier and nicer, and it's, much, of course, much cheaper than paying a real professional to take a professional shot of you. Um, so I don't know if I can round up enough pictures of me to do it. Anyway, I might try it and see. Uh, it. What I thought was pretty funny on Ball Security Weekly, one of the guys was giving a talk, and he just asked one of the AI systems, Show me like an old gray bearded tech guru. And it made a picture. It looked close enough to him. He just used that as his picture to promote his talk without even bothering to make it any way specific to him. So that's another way to go. I think that might be fun would be figure out what phrase will create a picture that's pretty much close to you. Anyway, um, so that's an option. And OpenAI has changed their core values. Now, their core values are complete nonsense, it seemed to me. They're this reminds me of um, the early days of Google. When you have somebody that is unprofessional and they're not a real corporation and they're not really run by anybody with any business knowledge, they do foolish things um, like Ubuntu named their stuff Feisty Fawn and stuff. Um, just sort of to show off that you don't actually care about actually earning money or getting any serious business. And um, they had, so there were, here were their six core values, audacious, thoughtful, unpretentious, impact-driven, collaborative, and growth-oriented. And that makes me sick. Make, it sounds to me like a typical um, one of these stupid productivity seminars where they want you to get up and dance around and tell you some motivational speakers, just garbage. They, it sounds like something produced by uh, um, Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow, just a fake preacher swindling people by throwing random buzzwords at you and expecting you to cheer. But anyway, now they have listed five values and AGI focuses the first. Anything that doesn't help with that is out of scope. And now the others are intense and scrappy, scale, make something people love, and team spirit. So uh, 
Anyway, the interesting meaning here in that complete drivel and blather that they're spouting out is that they really are focused on generating AGR, artificial general intelligence, which is intelligence as smart as a human to really replace humans on the job, which current artificial intelligence doesn't do at all. And so uh, that is a significant move forward, an important issue. Artificial general intelligence has uh, largely been considered the realm of science fiction, something we'll never achieve. And in the last couple of months, a lot of people that you know are coming out publicly saying we will achieve it and we will achieve it pretty soon. So that's interesting. Um, and it also emphasizes that just like in the early days of the Internet, the people actually doing this are a bunch of irresponsible, childish idiots that don't have any clue uh, what's going on and are just playing games with a childish science fiction mindset instead of taking it seriously. In case anybody thought anything else was going on, that's what's going on. Uh, I don't think the cure, by the way, is government regulation. The government's going to try to regulate the development of AI technology, and I don't think they can possibly do it because they can't possibly write a regulation now um, since we don't even know what it is or what it's going to be. Anyway, but everybody's jumping into just try to get their name on something to try to hope that they're seen as having been an early mover in this important field. Anyway, um, so the NASA is developing an in-orbit satellite refueling robot, which has been delayed and is having cost overruns, but I didn't know they were doing this at all. A plan to robotically repair and refuel satellites in orbit. This is very interesting to me. Um, it seems I'm amazed if it could ever be cost cost effective to do that. But in any case, um, it one makes me wonder if they could possibly make it cost-effective to bring down the satellites and help cure the Kessler syndrome we talk about all the time here, where the number of satellites in orbit is outrageous, and many of them are abandoned and colliding with each other and making junk. And in general, it's uh, liable to trap us on this planet and make it impossible to send any space missions if we don't get some control over space junk. And this may be a step in that direction. Another thing, which I think um, is interesting, I there's a travel agency has sounded the alarm over the risk of carbon passports, pointing out that airplanes are a huge global warming problem. They say they contribute 4% of the world's global warming. And I moved into a place, I'm near an airport, I hear the airplanes go over just constantly. Like every 90 seconds an airplane goes by and it sort of makes me wonder, what's that doing to the atmosphere and is all this really necessary? Especially now, as we all found out during the pandemic, you can pretty much do everything over Zoom, why does everybody need to fly everywhere all the time for everything? And I think in reality, um, anyway, they're saying uh, by 2040, they expect we'll have a carbon passport. You'll only be allowed to make a certain number of trips per year, uh, which seems to me pretty ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we will, I think, have to have less flights, but I don't think America will regulate it by rationing in that fashion. I think America will stick to the fine old capitalist tradition, just raise the price until less people fly. But anyway, I certainly think that um, within the next couple of decades, we'll have to knock off this current situation where business people are just expected to fly everywhere all the time and make you know a flight every week somewhere in the world. That does seem completely unnecessary these days. We can just collaborate over the internet. You don't need to make all those stupid flights. And I think they will go down. Uh, now, people taking off for vacations to go somewhere seems to me like 
they should be allowed to do that. And I don't think that's going to be enough to make such a big problem. It's it's the business travel, I think, that makes this endless, steady train of people going where, I mean, mostly people who don't really want to travel, going to the customer location because they just haven't uh, gotten accustomed to doing things remotely. So the EPA, uh, by the Biden administration pushed forward a rule that the EPA would have to add to their inspections, cybersecurity inspections, to try to protect our water supplies from hacking incidents, because there were a couple of headline-grabbing incidents that were interpreted briefly as, as foreign intrusions. And they have now been forced to call that off because of, I think, a lawsuit. Um, litigation from public and states and trade associations have raised questions about the long-term legal viability of the initiative to regulate the cybersecurity. And so uh, they've stopped it. And this, of course, is quite in line with the modern uh, Steve Mannon-type Republican Party, where they just want to end all government regulations on everything. And certainly, I must say right now, the Republican Party is doing a great job of ending government in America entirely. We have no House at all because they can't find a speaker. And the Senate can't do anything because of one guy blocking all the military appointments and many other things. And so um, they have managed to basically paralyze the House and the Senate. Um, so, and mostly they can run and get more donations from their uh, constituents and everything and say, I'm a heroic maverick saving you from the evil government. Um, we're, we're having a anarchy and a party that does not want to actually run the government. They just want to destroy the government, which is, uh, I think, not a very wise plan in the long run, but that's where we are. So NPR left Twitter because Elon Musk decided to label all kinds of government-sponsored institutions, and he labeled NPR as an organ of the U.S. government, and NPR said that is completely unfair, and they left Twitter saying, you know, we've had enough of trying to deal with Twitter under Elon Musk, and now they've got a report after six months of leaving and showed that it didn't cost them anything. You see, it cost them 1% of the people clicking on their sites they say they never got much engagement from Twitter anyway. And uh, and they also, of course, didn't want the grand harm of being on such a toxic platform where your content will be next to basic, essentially Nazis like Elon Musk and his gang. And so um, they quit. And, they, and it's nice to see. You know, they say that if you're a news agency, you totally can quit and it'll be OK. Uh, they talk about why they were there and their experiences. I, I'm glad to see it. I also left Twitter. And I'm not regretting it. Um, let's see. I, I, autofocus has failed on me. That's the cure. All right. So uh, similarly, a San Francisco supervisor just left Twitter because um, he said that private security guards should not be shooting shoplifters, uh, pulling out their gun, which is what, you know, Trump wants people to shoot shoplifters on site without a trial or anything. And he said, we shouldn't be doing that because there was a, a guard that shot a shoplifter and made a horrible mess here. And so Elon Musk said, well, this guy has to be imprisoned for daring to say such a thing that we shouldn't be shooting shoplifters. And that's when he said, you know, I've had enough of Twitter, too. I'm also leaving. I don't want to be in a company owned by this lunatic um, anymore. And so he left. It was uh, Dean Preston. He has left. And so uh, I hope this continues. I hope that news agencies and politicians leave Twitter and realize they don't need to be on Twitter. And it's probably just doing them more harm than good. Just abandon it to the alt-right, which is the only people that should like being there. And it can just compete with uh, Truth Social and they can have it. Uh, 
And one thing I was surprised to read about, um, the Best Buy now has police guarding it, San Francisco police, but apparently they're not on-duty police. What you can do is you can pay an administrative cost and some other fee to the San Francisco police agency, and they will allocate an off-duty police officer to provide security services at your company all you want, and they will pay them overtime pay to do that. So this sort of surprised me. This might be something that would be good for a business to do. It also seems like it might be a form of corruption that now the police are getting funded by individual companies. It would sort of increase a sort of uh, bias that I hear about where they, they favor certain places more than others. I'm worried about this thing where they call you and ask for a donation. And if you donate, then you get to put a sticker in the window saying, I donated to the police. And it sure seems like that would have the result that they would treat your company better than the ones that didn't donate to the police. But anyway, uh, that is the situation. And although I think it may be a poor public policy move, it might very well be a wise move for your company to pay for police protection in San Francisco with a really high crime rate. Uh, and the last one here is the one I thought was the most important and gave a name, the new super imaging approach. This is really quite clever. Um, the rule has been, far back as I can remember, that if you want to take an image of something, you can only get details down to the wavelength of the light you use. This is why you have to move to ultraviolet uh, etching to make small semiconductors, and you have to move to electron microscopes to image atomic things because electrons have much smaller wavelength than any wavelength of light you can use. But that's not really true. Um, we now have DSL modems that use sound and an audible range and move data much faster than the audible range because they don't just encode it in a way that puts one bit per cycle. They use subtle changes in the frequency, the phase, and the amplitude of the wave to encode information. And in the same spirit, what you do is you don't send, take an image of your target with just one wavelength of light. You take several nearby wavelengths of light and take images, and then you combine them to consider the differences caused by the small wavelength shifts, and you're able to correct for it. Now, the way they do it, for some reason, they choose to interpret it as a complex frequency, including an imaginary component, but that's just a mathematical convenience. But the general point is quite clear. If And so they have a nice picture here where they take um, 6.2 gigahertz, 6.3, 6.4, 6.5 up to 6.8 gigahertz pictures of something. And by combining them, they're able to see the details that are blurred out in each of those individual images. This seems to me like a, a very good idea, very clever idea. I wonder if it could be applied to astronomy in addition to spectroscopy here. Anyway, um, seems to me like a uh, good leap forward. And anyway, uh, that's all the news I had for you this time. I have another one of these things on Tuesday.